0: If market, people are trading, say, understanding, and a lot of money is going through markets, understanding that with what you are doing, you are part of the market, then you move the market. It's a different way of market dynamics than when there's a lot of money coming in and flying through the market with the idea, I can buy, I can sell, and it has no impact. Then the impact is the biggest.
1: Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures
2: Harold, welcome to Top Traders Unplugged. We're so excited and honored to have you with us today. Both Katie and I have really looked forward to hearing your perspective on many of the issues surrounding our industry and your firm in particular during our conversation. But before we get to all that juicy stuff, perhaps you can start out to tell a little bit about your background and and how you got involved in this industry. And then we might talk a little bit about the history of TransTrend as well.
0: Well, I'm Harold. I'm, I'm born on a on a dairy farm. And when I was a kid, I knew all the farmers by name, including their fathers and their mothers. Mm-hmm. And as a farmer's son, there's only one job available that you, of course, want to do. That is become a farmer as well. Mm-hmm. My, my parents have four sons, so only one could do it. But most people thought that I was going to be the one that was going to do it because I knew all the cows. <laughs> but uh, I was also... Uh, the, the, the nice thing was by, by looking at how uh, genetics works with cows and why black cows and red cows can combine to do you get a black one or a red one. That's how I learned uh, statistics. And that was before I had mathematics at school. And from that I became better and better in mathematics became a member of the, the, the Dutch team, Olympiad, Mathematical Olympiad International. So if you reach that level, then you kind of have to study mathematics and not something that makes you a farmer. So, so I ended up studying mathematics. And in the last year uh, of my study, uh, I was looking for a, a project to finish my study on. And uh, I had a professor who said... Uh, yeah you don't you shouldn't do that on university. you have to find a real problem in the real world, and you will see there's also always some mathematics in there so uh, I had to write some letters to some firms, and there was a dairy company that I wrote a letter to, and I could do something there It was a very nice project, but I was thinking. Hmm. Later when I grow up, I will work on a dairy factory. So maybe now I should do the other thing. And the other thing was it was a firm that was a, a, a traditional uh, trading firm. They transport things and they had, uh, they crushed soybeans into soybean meal and soybean oil. They had, uh, they were transporting a lot of things. They were very big in palm oil, for instance. And they were thinking about Using futures markets, not for hedging purposes, but for trading, but they saw all these uh, funds becoming successful in there, and they were thinking, "Well, this is our market. So, if money's going to be earned in those markets, we should do it." So, that started the project, and the project was started with buying computers and getting data. That was how far they were. So, when I came there, they said, "Well, we have computers and we have data. We hope you can do something with it." Well, for a mathematician that is a nice uh, nice way to start so that's uh, I ended up doing that I think no oh, that's nice for uh, for a year or so and then I do the real job in the dairy factory what my ultimate destination is going to be I'm still there
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the
0: dairy farm has to wait but that 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 was a research project and from that that was part of this this whole project what can we do with data and what directions are there and we pretty soon found out that The the trend-following way seems to be the most promising way because it offered most uh, possibilities for really diversifying things. You can apply it on many different markets uh, and the more different markets, the the better it's going to get. That was for the mother company initially a kind of uh, issue because they were thinking... We only want to do commodity markets because that is what we know everything about that's that's our background so uh, initially we, we we were trading palm oil and all kinds of, of commodities, but also some financial markets, but that grew into more and now
2: we trade all futures markets and what 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 time period are we talking about when what, I mean, what year uh, nineteen eighty nine was okay. when I walked in there okay yeah,
0: I had no beard then right. <laughs> 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 but I did start shaving
1: right. <laughs>
2: Excellent, excellent,
1: yeah. And then how, how did that morph into what you were doing at TransRent? Maybe a little bit, could you tell us a little bit more about how that well, evolved?
0: Well, we were we, we, we doing these different things, and we chose then that this, this trend following way was going to be the better thing. Um, then after a few years, the the leaders of this project, that the was the, the the managing director of the mother company, he decided that he found it so interesting that he wanted to cope further only with this part. So he bought out this part and became an independent company uh, in which we were managing also money for others than the, the previous mother firm. Yes. So that, that's how it started to become... Uh, and we were first aiming for Dutch investors, pension funds and so on. But in those years, they were not really interested because they were thinking, "Yeah, but it is commodity markets and futures and and, and, and systematic way. That sounds like something that's impossible because markets are efficient, so you cannot do something like that. Um, so the, the, the group we were aiming at was not really interested, but somehow some people from US and some others recognized or... or, or uh, performance things, and then they uh, became interested. So that's how it then started.
2: So, so, So the late 80s is, of course, kind of the same time that the Turtle Project finished yeah. in the US and of course there are some managers who are even before that but did you were you aware or when did you become aware that there was an industry actually doing no, trading the, the, futures how, how did yeah, that come okay, about? But, but the, the, man, so the project started with, with a man that had
0: to buy computers and buy data and he traveled to the US and bought all kinds of books that were written in those years already ah, okay. so hmm. Kaufman and, and uh, Welles Wilder uh, those books are from those years and of course he also found and read about the turtles and oh. uh, yeah so that, that that was that was known to us so that that is uh, trend following was was existing and uh, uh, there was some trend followers doing very well
2: Yeah.
0: so there was some there were some basic lines about what is, what a trend follower should do and then we find out one of the rules uh, one story was uh, there was three things important in trend following that was uh, you should always use stops. you should always be in the market and you should always trade the same size that was the, the basic rules in those years and we looked at it and we said well trend following is good but you should never use stops. you should not always trade the same size and you should not always be in the market so that's so the the, the philosophy was okay but the basic rules were wrong yeah. so that's how we
2: started interesting interesting and were you sort of in those early days How many of you were inside discussing, debating, looking at these books, reading the books? Four persons. Four people. Four persons, yeah.
0: Yeah, but that was so nice because the four persons did everything. In in those years, I uh, checked the data. I did do the research. I did install uh, drives into the computer. I did repair the coffee machine. I did uh, uh, bring in the orders, uh, (laughs) call with the brokers worldwide that was the early days it was four
2: persons and most of us were doing almost everything right and how long did that period last before you could say trans trend started to slowly evolve into what it's become today because i remember i mean i remember Trans Trend stories a little bit different from other managers who were privately owned for a long time and so on and so forth but i remember you guys sort of a different path that you yeah, but, chose or not? Yes, yeah, yeah. we
0: were. Um, the 90s was when slowly developing, but also the 90s were, of course, a period in which stock markets were rising almost constantly, so yeah. outperforming a stock index was uh, almost impossible. Um so it, it wasn't really going that fast, but the interest was uh, growing slowly. And we were thinking if you manage 100 million, that would be a lot, is it possible? I mean, because we saw some managers that reached 100 million and weren't able to do so. But yeah. in the 90s somewhere, we reached that level. And it went some faster in 1997, 1998, and you had a few crises, the Asia crisis, the Russia crisis. And then you saw for the first time some more, and there was a, an Ontario teachers fund, I think some of those pension funds were the first one that uh, those more traditional investment men uh, investors were starting to get interest for this this type of investments because yeah. this was doing something different. This is something that could do well when stock markets were coming down. So from that moment on, we were growing faster in 1997, 1998. 1999 was uh, 1999 was a pretty difficult year but we did, we did reasonably but it was the first time we, we lost in a year you and got then bought.
2: 2000, you 2000, got 2000 bought, uh, didn't you you got bought by a bank at some point uh, now the, you know? the
0: um the 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 director I told you that that started the thing right. after 2000 he was uh, thinking yeah um, I should kind of leave now um he was he was not the one that Built the things, but he the one he was the one that brought the people together, and and and, and he was kind of the the, the um, and he was initially also aiming at the clients, and he was very good with more the the the, the large private investor type of clients, but then during the end nineties early two thousand it was institutional clients coming in and that is another type of clients that he was less connected to and they were more connected to the other people in the team so he said it's time for me to to leave and he wanted to sell and it was not a bank it was an investment firm uh, Rubico Uh, and they bought the first 49% in 2002 out of my head and the remaining 51% in 2007 and Rubico was just before that bought by a bank so and and the bank Rabobank sold Rubico in 2013
2: to a Japanese uh, firm, which is not a bank. Yeah, and I mean, do go on till you know. Feel free to tell us more of sort of that evolution. But I'm also interested in learning a little bit about how does how does that change a firm becoming part of bigger and bigger organizations, maybe even with foreign ownership and so on and so forth. Oh, that
0: had minimal effect because um, Rabobank owned Rubico but had almost did almost nothing with that. They just owned it and they did some project but they were not involved really a lot. And Rubico also kept pretty on a distance. Uh, in, in the US, we, we have a thing together uh, in the sense that they have a location in the US. So our US fund is, is a, a typical uh, Rubico fund, Rubico US fund uh, in which... Content as a manager, but it's the. uh, Apart from that, we go our own way. We do our own thing. The Robeco recognized that uh, a thing like Transcend could work if it works differently. It's it's another investment style, and you should not commingle that with all kinds of ideas that you have in stock markets, for instance, or fixed income things.
1: So Harold, you mentioned a little bit those three rules and sort of how you kind of disagreed with some of them. What what are some of the key things that you think that greatest lessons you've learned along the way i mean it's been a a long ride so yes. what are some of the things that kind of have been sort of an epiphany aha moment over time what are the greatest lessons as a long-term now, and trend? in the
0: early in the early days um, for some reason the traditional us ctas that we have before that were pretty volatile and this maybe also had to do with trading the same position, whatever volatility there is in the market. So that yeah. is of course one thing. And we took a different uh, step in that, but also many other European CTA's did. So in those years, you got this more smooth performance in the in the from the CTA's and most of the CTA's in Europe. Uh, and later on, the U.S. CTA's kind of mm. transferred to the same direction. So looking at it from a, a risk level on the portfolio level instead of uh, individual positions at yeah, the traditional us way was really in all well everything you read about was trading a market trading a position in the market we're trading gold and we're trading silver or we're trading aussie dollar you traded a market and 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 you all these trades together made a portfolio and we had much more a top-down approach In we said now we we, we want to trade a portfolio and we don't have to look at things like whether it's an stock market or whether it's a commodity market or a currency market is not relevant at all if there is a trend in oil that oil trend can manifest itself in the oil futures but it can also manifest itself in in oil companies the stocks of oil companies or in currencies of oil rich uh, countries like Norwegian krona or so ever so you have to get rid of this idea how much are we going to give to interest rates how much can we invest in currencies that's totally irrelevant it's about how do you invest in a a trend, wherever the trend is? So that was a a somewhat different approach than maybe many, especially in those years had. It is looking at trends instead of looking at allocation to different markets and markets as part of of a cluster.
2: And, and where did that idea come from, so to speak? Because as you say, a lot of the people, a lot of the, uh, the early pioneers were, were not doing that. I know that, and I completely agree, that the European industry probably overtook the US, and certainly in the terms of the view of the institutional investor, because of that different approach. So I think it's really key to understand where your realization Came from? Was that by looking at other European managers, or was it just from reading more books, or just from your own looking at the markets? Yeah. Okay, now just look at the markets and yeah. see what's happening, and that, that's that's the, the basic thing.
0: It's it's reading books is nice, but you don't learn that much from books because the markets are changing. That's changing constantly. You see what's happening in the market. And if you look at the market, then it's logical. And if I say it's oil risk companies and and uh, oil currencies and and oil markets. If I say it, everyone re- realizes. Yeah, of course, it's logical. But somehow, many people are so fixed on. Okay, we do it top down, and uh, but that's uh, or bottom up or whatsoever. But instead of what's what's really happening, why? What is this? And that is the way of. Yeah, uh, it's the way I looked at cows, for instance. They 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 also go in a certain direction, and you don't look at the movement of one cow. Well, if one cow is moving a different way, he's sick or she is sick. Uh, but <laughs> it's. Uh, you have to look at the, at the whole flock of, of birds and the whole flock of, of cows. That you, then you see something, and then you know which ones belong together and which is another thing. And that's the way of looking at markets. It's not much difficult, uh, different than looking the way you look at, at animals, because uh, markets are driven by the. Well, the 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 and the, the animal kind that is very popular in the world here. We are sitting here with five of these animals, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's we drive the market, and that's looking at it. How if in that sense I am the farmer that is looking at the cows, but different cows and they produce different milk.
2: Sure, sure. I think when people look at our industry. Um, and, and I think certainly there is in, in recent years, maybe from some types of investors, this notion that trend following is easy, right? So we shouldn't pay for it very much. It's, we should just use replicators, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to go down that path right now, but I do want to ask you, what do you think investors underestimate the most about what we do as, as managers? What do, you, what do you think they underestimate the most?
0: Uh, one thing is that we are constantly doing something else all these things that it's easy is based on doing a historical research and doing the same thing Uh, i've seen research that goes back 100 years well it's very nice Uh, so 80 years ago you sent an email to to uh japan and they will execute the order that you've just came in the data you just received by your computer or something Uh, it's it's impossible world is changing constantly changes so it's that that's that's a very important thing so um, there is no existing CTA that exists for a long time that is constantly be doing the same thing. You mentioned the, tu- the turtles earlier. The turtles, especially Eckhart, also said, it's not one line that I haven't changed. So And many people said about the turtles in the early days, the ones that didn't succeed were the ones that couldn't stick to the rule. Well, that's wrong. The one that did succeed were the ones that knew how to constantly bend the rule to adapt it to the changing world. that were the ones that succeeded. And in that sense, Eckhart was the best turtle because he knew that as the one that was kind of leading the project and constantly kept on doing that. And that's that's the whole thing. The idea that it's just a simple formula that you can use and keep on using is not right. And especially the last years, a lot of things have changed. uh, sometimes it's, it's underestimated. We also underestimated some of the changes that happened, let's say after 2008. Everyone will know that before, until 2008, the performance of all trend-following CTA's was great, and since 2009, it's pretty low. It's not. People don't get excited for the performance of CTA's, uh, trend-following CTA's after 2009, and it's just because people think, okay, when the stock markets come down, they will do well that people are still invested in them. Yeah. If, if, if CTAs didn't have this, this characteristic of doing well when stock markets are coming down, the performance of the last, what is, almost 10 years now is not really something that uh, people are invested in. It's something else. It's the idea that when stock markets come down, they will do well. Well, that's not even automatically the case. Look at 2008. Some transfolding CTAs were doing very well, but some were not. Same thing 2001, 2002. Some were doing very well, some were not. The dispersion in those periods is huge. So you have to make all kinds of choices to make it happen that it is doing that you are doing well in those environments. But in between, from after 2009, the world has really changed in many aspects. In the beginning, we were thinking, okay, it's uh, because of QE that it's not doing that well. And if QE is over, the returns are automatically coming back. And especially since we had... Uh, low volatility in those years. We were thinking, well, the risk is well under control. If the circumstances stay, change, we will do well again, it's automatically. But it's not, because there's really been structural changes in markets. A few of them are very relevant and are there to stay. A uh, very, very simple one. Floor trading has been replaced by electronic trading. That's not going to revert. This has a complete different market dynamics. All kinds of things that used to be the case, for instance, how an opening works, an opening on the floor was an equilibrium that was reached already without trading. Brokers were calling around saying, well, there's a lot of buying coming in. And because of they heard buying was coming in, others were willing in to sell. So orders were being, uh, a kind of equilibrium was reached before the opening bell. And then it started and this opening had a certain value. But now orders come in with electronic, on an electronic way. These orders do not communicate with each other. So what happens, the equilibrium process starts at the moment the orders are flying in and are responding. So there's a lot of markets. Look at just a normal US stock market. Very, very regularly in the first minutes of the day, the whole daily range is set. There's not an equilibrium before that. No, it just happens on that very moment because the equilibrium has to be found. That's a a complete different microstructure that is not going to change. This this is going to be there for, for... for a lifetime, after 2008, the amount of real active money from banks investing with their own money has really come down. Now, this was big money that was there in the market and was real active. This had an impact, but this is gone, and this is because of regulation. This is, it can be come back uh, if regulation is changing again, then in a few years' time, maybe it will grow again, but, but this, is, this is gone, this is definitely gone. This has a big impact. And one other one that we really underestimated the effect of it is maybe you've, you've read the story um, demystifying managed futures. It's an article, a scientific uh, article. This is an academic article. There's a line in there that says all this is uh, without taking trading costs into account, without transaction cost into account, uh, because the markets in this uh, in this article are very liquid, are some of the most liquid markets in the world. This doesn't say anything about the writers of this article. This says something about the academic world. Because if you would write something like that 20 years ago, it was impossible that it would be accepted. Because writing that you could trade without market impact is... There's only one reason why markets move, that is because of market impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, An Apple stock doesn't rise because Apple is selling more iPads or because they have a very new iPhone that everyone's have. That is not why the price of the Apple stock rises. Apple stock rises only because people are buying Apple stocks, and probably they buy it because they see the iPhone is doing well. But the the stock only rises because of market impact. That's the only thing that the only thing that drives market is market impact. So an academic world that uh, that accepts articles that says trading can be done. Without market impact, it's like saying sailing can be done without wind or something. It's, it's completely impossible. But the fact that that thing has been accepted, that the academic world has changed such that they allow articles saying that there is no market impact, means that more than people believe that markets is something that you can trade in, you can do things and it has no impact. The fact that people believe that also means that more people poor people are doing that. So, if you want to understand a flash crash in which a mutual fund is selling 25,000 contracts of s and p I would say one of the most liquid markets in the world.
2: Right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: 25,000 <laughs> contracts. Without regard to price and time, as the, uh, the, what is it, the, 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 the CFCC found out, uh, of course such a thing has a huge market impact. And these impacts you see constantly. But if more people are believing that and that you can trade like this, it doesn't function anymore. You get a different market dynamics. If market people are trading, say, understanding, and a lot of money is going through markets, understanding that with what you are doing, you are part of the market and you move the market, it's a different way of market dynamics than when there's a lot of money coming in and flying through the markets with the idea, I can buy, I can sell, and it has no impact. Then the impact is the biggest. And all these things together add to complete to change of the market dynamics. And this market dynamics has an impact that uh, we were in the beginning thinking, okay, the volatility comes down, it, it's okay. But now what happens is if you have, what we had in 2011, 2014, is, is a pretty deep drawdown and very low volatility. Mm. Well, that's complete atypical for an investment strategy. A low volatility with a deep drawdown means you're not doing what the investor is supposed to do. An investor is taking risk and gets a risk premium for it. You get volatility, and you get return. It can be negative, it can be positive. but you get... But if you have a deep drawdown with low volatility, there can only be one thing that you're doing, that's paying liquidity premium. Paying a premium instead of receiving the premium, being afraid for volatility. And that's what you saw happening in these performances of Transcend and some others as well, but uh, for us is most important. It was in our performance. It's the result of markets that are changing And we were thinking, okay, add more markets and automatically it will do well. No, it had the opposite effect. The volatility was coming down instead of better performing and performing better from it. We had to adjust. We have to adjust because markets have been changing. And that means that if you are adjusting uh, and you are looking for volatility again and bring it in the program, only then you have a chance of performing again. that's, That's very important.
1: So when around when was this that you did you make some changes to the program or did you the, do some the, research and in this in this area and then come with some adjustments? And and in
0: the in the summer of 2013, we realized that 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 this thing was going wrong and that we had to adjust. We had to adjust, really adjust on different fields and making sure okay the markets are changed. They have changed. They have, it's not just QE. It's really something happening. And if you look at our volatility, you can see that it takes until because we had to think about how are we going to change it. So it took some time, and we first had to make changes that didn't have an immediate impact, but were necessary to make other changes, the necessary changes possible. So, but from 2015 onward, you really see the volatility come up of the program, which is what we are aiming for, because that, that is what is necessary.
2: I mean, I'm curious about this. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting what what you shared here, but, I mean... There has been studies done by uh, some firms, and obviously, Katie, you've written a book about this, and where I think kind of the kind of the conclusion, rightly or wrongly, at least, but I mean, the conclusion kind of is that these strategies have worked, you know, even if we go back a hundred years, right? Um, and that, but 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 when you talk about these changes in the markets, I'm thinking, well, over a hundred years. Markets must have been changing many times, right? And yet they've sort of... And also, in fairness, there are still trend followers who have made very good money in this period. I agree, as an industry, it's been challenging. But there there are people who've done well. So, So I just wonder whether... I'm I'm interested in, in in this thing where you say well these things these changes are so fundamental they're never going to revert which is true I mean we're not going to have floor trading again but I'm just thinking does it really matter if you're a long-term trend follower whether you have floor trading or electronic trading or is it more specifically and and maybe as we've seen certain types of trading certain time frames that have really suffered or what is what no, is your view they, on they, that? They, this, that's it the hundred year thing is, is, is nonsense story because
0: it's all fictive trading there were no futures that exist for more than 100 years so it's it was done as a technology that did not exist programs that did not exist and even instruments that did not exist so that's just uh, Hansel and Gretchen and all other kind of uh, <laughs> fairy tales you can write it's that that's okay. that's a novel yeah no, it's, it's yeah. a romantic novel and whatever but that it's nothing to do with reality okay. Um the only thing that counts is real trading. so how right. long have there been real life managed futures traders around not 100 years yeah. these futures for in agricultural yeah. markets only but sure. so okay uh, you can write stories back go, sure. going back a long long time but that, that has no meaning. The kind of changes that are in the markets so the real if you look at the real performances then yeah. then you see that I, I do uh, uh, agree that there's somewhat slower programs are less sensitive to these changes of the markets than the faster mm-hmm. programs. I, I recognize that. The problem is, the faster programs generally are not so good when there's a big reversal in markets, when the stock markets are turning downwards. So you can be doing well with a more slower program mm-hmm. and have less problems with this thing, but still then the problem is there that when stock markets are coming downwards, you're probably not going to do it very well. Other ways that people can do well is uh, put some kind of long uh, equity premium in there, so some kind of long equity bias, and uh, in the past few years, We've put seen some equities, some and, and yeah. that does well, too. Nothing wrong with that, no, but no. then make sure that it's you a did choice. so. But yeah. again, uh, the, the, the hard thing is to, uh, to find a way to keep on doing well with uh, these changed markets without... Giving up the big advantage of doing well when markets are turning, stock markets are turning down. Mm. So that's that's a choice that. We have. So we choose not to become slow. We want to have this ability to profit from declining stock markets
1: mm.
0: when it happens, and you have you need a kind of uh, speed for that. And of course, always some some styles are better in some environments, and other styles are doing better in other environments. But also, in in general, you will see that. The, the volatility relative to drawdown, that, that relationship is changing. And I do think that the best ones are the ones that prefer higher volatility.
2: Uh, how, how do you define, you say, slow, fast? I mean, how do you define that and how would you describe your own speed, so to speak, in, in, in the markets? I mean, how do you yeah, think about it? I think
0: it? We, we should be called medium term. Uh, uh, we are not really short term. Uh, every position can change every day. But that doesn't mean that it does change every day. Right. It can even change more than once a day. Okay. But that doesn't mean it happens. Well, a little bit sometimes it happens okay. that we buy and a little bit later we sell again but when the market is doing like that. But now normally the positions are
2: in there for two weeks till two months. That is kind of the average. Yeah. So that is, I would say, medium term. And how different is that from the or I mean, before the changes you made, I mean, how that has, oh, that has not changed. That has not changed. That has not changed.
0: No, okay. we we. The the way, the structure of the program is, is changing, but we didn't want to become slower. We okay. so, but we want to be less sensitive to short-term, no. uninformed price moves, yeah. which can be pretty large nowadays. So you, you never want to react in the wrong way to any kind of sh- short cr- uh, flash crash or what kind yeah. of situation. So you want to be insensitive to that without becoming slower. But if you are slower, you are automatically less sensitive to that. So there's there's the advantage there, but uh, I think ultimately because this this thing is continuing, uh, you will see that also being slower, uh, without taking good uh, good care of of uh, execution, you also will get a little bit less. You will earn a little bit less. This all has to do with uh, many of these things. People look at it like alpha and beta thing. Yeah, and one of the popular things now is that trend following is is, is nothing is just a type of beta.
1: Yeah,
0: I completely agree. I think there is, in investing, there is only one source of return, one ultimate source of return, that is risk premia. And you have all kinds of different risk premia that you can profit from on uh, some kind of systematic way. If it's not a systematic way, you don't have to program it, but if it's not a systematic way, then it's coincidence. So everything that is systematically can be done is in some way is a risk premium, for all kinds of different types of risks. And there is easy types of beta, long-only stocks for instance, a very easy type of beta, and it's harder to get type of betas. Where my difference is first this strategy, the idea is that the idea of what what alpha means. For me, alpha is the inefficiency of getting the beta. For me, there exists no positive alpha. All positive alpha that I see presented, so here and there is always model misspecification alpha, so you didn't put real beta factors in and then you seem to get alpha or it's not linear correlation, relationship or whatsoever. It's always model misspecification. There is no real source of alpha. The only alpha is negative alpha. That is the result of inefficiencies in gathering the beta. And the easy-to-capture type of beta result in automatically, almost automatically, in less negative alpha than the harder-to-get type of betas. So what we are doing, we are delivering a type of beta, but the markets are becoming somewhat... Uh, These kind of little st- changes in there means that if you do not change anything, then with the same beta, you get a little bit more of negative alpha. And you will see it in execution, for instance, and it has to be just a little bit thing. If you look at correlations, you won't see it, but if you just lose every day in execution. Sounds like nothing and you don't see it. With 250 business days, that's 25%. So no strategy is good enough to be able to lose 0.1%. 0.05% is still 12.5%. It's very simply done by just a little bit more changes in the market dynamics, not taking care of it well enough, you get this, this negative alpha thing. This negative alpha thing is also very important. If you look at the model this way itself, the positive alpha thing is that um, the, 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 the real alpha adapts say you can do staplen. This is Dutch. This means um, alpha, um, uh, transportable, portable alpha. Portable, portable alpha. 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 Yeah. Portable alpha is the term. Portable alpha is a great thing. It is a, it is a typical academic because it's a positive alpha and you can place Positive alpha on positive alpha and positive alpha, and you can get better, better returns. Mm-hmm. But if the real alpha is negative, portable alpha means you add negative number. It means you have been trying to catch some kind of risk premium, and you do it. You want to do it as cheap as possible, but by doing it cheap, you miss something. So you have a higher negative alpha, and you think you can add that by adding some alpha. But that alpha means you are adding someone else that tries to capture the same beta, and it has some negative alpha as well, maybe less than the other one, but it's still more. So you're instead of building up more and more alpha, you're digging, digging in more deep and deep negative alpha, making more inefficiencies. Inefficiencies cannot be compensated by other inefficiencies. So this model of positive alpha should be forgotten. And people should concentrate on which beta do I want to grab and how do I make sure that I lose as little as possible alpha with it? Instead of how do I get positive alpha because it's something you cannot get. And in that sense, alpha is comparable with health. Health doesn't exist. What's but, but health? You cannot. It's only the lack of diseases and, and the lack of uh, accidents. Uh, you, you, if you look around before you cross the streets then you stay healthy if you do not look, look around you you will be override, uh, overridden and then you potentially die that's not, not good for your health but you cannot compensate that by you know what i um, cross the street without looking but once i'm at home uh, there is my portable alpha i uh, watch uh, television very good for an hour and look everything is all right again that doesn't that doesn't work so it's health is something that doesn't exist it's just the lack of diseases and the lack of uh, incidents. And that's the same with investing. Positive alpha doesn't exist. You have to avoid the negative alpha. And that,
1: that's what we try to do. Ready to learn more about the world's top traders? Go to toptradersunplugged.com and sign up to receive the full transcripts of the first 10 episodes of the show and visit the show notes where you can find useful links to other amazing resources. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Top Traders Unplugged.